Chapter 5 Messengers Darkness descended. Eerie shadows started playing in the thick forest that surrounded us, and the wind, stiff and cold, whistled ceaselessly. I shivered. We never should have listened to that woman, I complained to Alberto. To these Italians, everything is ten minutes away. We were now too far away from San Gemini to turn back, and so we continued ever higher along the sinewy trail that we were assured would lead us to the Ermita, a supposedly enchanting hermitage with a welcoming priest named Father Bernardino. This was a crazy idea, chasing after a hermit. I thought to myself, we should have stayed in that bar. Alberto and I struggled to remain on the narrow, poorly marked path. The occasional faded sign assured us that we still were. At times we walked on compacted earth, at others rock outcroppings, fallen branches and tree trunks. The trail was so steep in some places that when I tried to stop, I began to fall backwards, the weight of my backpack pushing me down the hill. More than once, Alberto had to grab my hand to pull me up because my legs were giving out from under me. I felt terribly frightened, but put on a brave face so as not to worry an already worried Alberto. I assured him I could make it, even though I wasn't sure that I could. Even if we had wanted to camp out, the steep incline now made that impossible. After what felt like an eternity, the trail finally leveled off. The trees disappeared, revealing a large clearing and what looked like a small medieval fortress in the distance. Its high stone walls guarded several small buildings, one of which housed a glimmering light. We whooped in exhausted exhilaration and hurried as quickly as our weary legs would allow. We arrived at a gnarled wooden door and rang the rustic handbell. No one answered. We rang again, this time more forcefully. Still, no one answered. We rang and knocked, yelling, Buona sera, at the top of our lungs. But the howling wind carried our voices away, and the door remained firmly closed. We circled the building in search of other doors, but all to no avail. I leaned my head against the wooden door, defeated and hoarse. From around the corner, several dogs bounded out to us. Each was a different shade of white, and in the darkness looked like smiling angels. They brushed up against us and reached their heads into our hands. We stroked their backs and began repeating the word Bernardino, the name of the hermit, hoping they would lead us to him. But they seemed more interested in frolicking with each other than in helping two desperately cold and tired pilgrims. With dogs in tow, Alberto and I walked around the building once more, now looking for dog entrances. We couldn't find those either. You go back to the main door and keep ringing the bell, Alberto suggested. I'm going to throw some stones at the window of the room with the light on. You're going to give whoever is in there a heart attack, I admonished. Do you have any better ideas? He shot back. I wearily shook my head and sauntered back to my post, 
Ever after several more bouts of yelling and ringing, the wooden door slowly creaked open. I stepped back in surprise. From the darkness, a figure emerged and stood in the doorway. At the same time, Alberto appeared alongside me, grinning broadly. Buonasera, the older man said in greeting, smiling in amused curiosity. He was dressed in well-worn Franciscan robes, cinched with a rope, and open-toed sandals. His gentle presence and kind eyes put me immediately at ease, but I couldn't help but chuckle at the shock of frizzy hair and the image of Albert Einstein it evoked. We are pilgrims, I began, but he interrupted me, gesturing for us to come inside. We followed the presumed Father Bernardino to an inner courtyard while explaining that we were walking to Jerusalem for peace. Jerusalem, eh? He exclaimed, Benne, Benne. We continued through dark corridors and more dark corridors until we arrived at a simple wooden door. No lights, no water, he explained, entering the room and lighting several candles. When finished, come eat, motioning with his hands for us to eat. With our sincerest thanks, Alberto followed Father Bernardino to get water from the well to flush the toilet while I lit a few more candles and explored our surroundings. In the small kitchen where I stood were an antiquated gas stove, a sink, and well-worn cabinets that I saw were stocked with mismatched plates, cups, and cutlery. With candle in hand, I walked into the adjacent room and felt as if I had, ste had stepped into a cave. The ceiling was low and domed, the white stone walls marked with tiny little niches and crevices that delicately housed the remains of partially melted candles. Rustic chairs and tables and several small beds and blankets completed the intimate space. I lit whatever candles I could find and placed them in the niches. Soft shadows danced along the walls. I felt embraced by a warm, loving energy that defied words. My entire being stilled. Although we had just walked several challenging kilometers, my body felt strangely energized. I heard Alberto thanking Father Bernardino and then cleaning up in the washroom. I quickly refreshed my body with wet wipes, imagining how cold mountain water would feel. That bathroom is pretty primitive too, Alberto joked coming into the room. By the way, the water is freezing. I laughed with him and finished putting on my clean socks. Your idea to throw the stones at that window was a good one after all, I teased. Alberto chuckled. I was going to throw the stones like I told you, but then thought I might break the glass and frighten him even more. But luckily I found an elevated spot not far from the window and I stood there, waving, praying that he would see me. And he eventually did. I thought he would be terrified, but no, he just stared at me with amusement. I put on my best smile and I waved again. This time he smiled back and he motioned for me to wait. I'm still amazed at how calm he was. Dinner was on the table by the time we arrived at our host's home and we savored every mouthful of the steaming hot food. The intimate space, similar in feeling to our cave, 
was lined with bookshelves housing volumes with thick leather binding and a layer of dust that begged to be blown off. Stacks of open books and letters had been pushed off to the side of the table to make space for our food. In addition to Italian, Father Bernardino spoke German, having studied theology there. Alberto's rudimentary German, combined with Italian and sign language, allowed us to explain more fully what we were doing, all to his growing amazement. Despite the difficulty of communication, we understood each other perfectly. Pointing at our necklaces, he said, you both wear the Tao. Tao has a long and mystical history. An inexplicable rush of energy coursed through me, and I felt every hair on my body stand on end. The Tao is a sacred letter, Father Bernardino continued in his mix of languages. It is a sign of God. All letters are sacred and a sign of God, but the last letter, such as the Hebrew Tau and the Greek Omega, is the most important. Those who carry the Tau are blessed and protected on their journey. They are messengers of God. He pulled out a Bible from the stack of books that he had on the table, flipped through one of them, and then pointed to a passage saying, you see here in Revelations, it speaks about the chosen ones who are servants of God, a force for good in the world. They carry a sign on their forehead. It is God's name, the Tao. Alberto had commented during our walk that he believed the universe was using us as instruments to bring whatever message needed to be delivered to the people who crossed our path. I agreed that we would be touching individuals with our message of peace once we figured out what it was, but I saw it as a byproduct of the larger reach that our message would have. I saw people being brought into my life to guide me, but never considered myself as a sign for someone else or as having anything to offer them. I did not feel special enough to be a chosen one, much less a messenger, and told Alberto so. When I say we are messengers, he responded, I'm not talking about Moni and Alberto's message. We're more like the delivery guys. The message comes from the universe. The only thing that makes us special is our willingness to do this work. My sleep that night was deep and restful, and I awakened feeling refreshed as if the arduous walk had never happened. Alberto commented that he felt surprisingly revitalized as well. We couldn't explain why. After a hearty breakfast, Father Bernardino offered to accompany us back to the main road, and we accepted. Recalling my Lebanese heritage, he stepped out to point out the curious presence of a Lebanese cedar that was planted there many centuries earlier by Italian sailors who were returning from that land, adding that the town of San Gemini was named for a beloved Syrian monk who lived there. I didn't know what to make of all of this. With the dogs jumping around us, Father Bernardino led us down a wide, well-marked trail that he said was the main way to the hermitage and marveled at how we were able to find him walking a path that was long ago abandoned. Walking alongside him, I couldn't help 
but feel that something had conspired to bring us to this lone place high in the mountains for a purpose we couldn't divine, but that I was certain was somehow predestined. At the base of the mountain, Father Bernardino turned to us, with eyes watering and filled with the tenderness of a parent gazing upon his children, he said, I have a weekly meeting in town that I never miss, but for some reason last night, it was unexpectedly canceled. I see now that it was because we needed to meet. When he placed his hands on our heads and began to pray in Italian, I felt as if we were receiving a blessing from the highest heavens, not merely for us, but for this path of peace we had chosen to walk.